So anyway, last week we started a new series. We started our Christmas series, and we call the series, He Is Dot, Dot, Dot. And what we're doing is, it's kind of a different Christmas series for us, and I'm excited about it. I've really been enjoying, like, my part in this series, studying and preparing and, and delivering uh, these sermons to you guys, because it's, we're slowing down a little bit. You know, Christmas can be so hectic and so much stuff going on, and I love just slowing down and camping out in essentially one verse in the Bible. Isaiah chapter nine, um, verse six is the verse that we're camping out in. And this verse is a prophecy. Uh, so Isaiah is a prophet who lived, I don't know, 2,700-ish years ago. And he was speaking to part of the kingdom of Israel, the lower part of, after they had split, the lower part of the kingdom, Judah. And he speaks to them, he gives us, God gives him this prophecy. So a prophet's like God's mouthpiece, right? So God speaks to the prophet. The prophet then speaks to the people. And so God gives Isaiah this prophecy about this coming Savior, this coming Messiah. And we can actually look back now, 2,700 years later, and we can see that this coming Messiah is God the Son, okay? And so I want to, I wanna, like, this is what he talks about. So like crazy things are happening in Israel when he writes to them. They're rebelling against God. There's darkness. And Isaiah writes, and he says, a light's coming. A light's coming. And he said, it's going to be a time of abundance and rejoicing and peace. And there's going to be no more battles. There's going to be no more wars. There's going to be no more oppression. And he says, a child's going to be born. A son is going to be born. And the government will be on his shoulders. And his kingdom will never end, right? Like this human baby. And it says, he's going to be called four things, four titles. This is the, the names that we're digging into in this series. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. This human baby is going to be called Mighty God, which is what we're going to look at today. He's going to be called Everlasting Father. He's going to be called Prince of Peace. And last week I challenged you, like this, this is the kind of stuff that I read and I go, man, this is why I believe. Like this is evidence that, that I need in my own faith to help me trust that what this stuff says is true right? I mean, so I challenged you last week. I said, like, slow down and begin to wrap your mind around this prophecy. It's easy to kind of go on and go to the next thing, but we're like, man, if we would just slow down and think about this, 700-ish years before Joseph and Mary miraculously conceive and give birth to this little child named Jesus, who was born just like you and I were born, right? Like from from his mother, and yet he knew things only God could know, and he did things that only God could do. And he started this movement. He established this kingdom that's been going on and on and on and growing for the last 2,000 years. And we said 700-ish years before that actually happened, Isaiah writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that a time is coming when a human baby is going to be born, 700 years before it happens, who's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? In his kingdom, he's going to rule, and his kingdom will never end. It'll last forever. And, and I challenged you last week. I'm like, try to put yourself in the shoes of the people that Isaiah was writing to that would have been, you know, reading this for the first time when maybe he was there with them, or maybe they heard him read this aloud. And I think you'd have one of three responses to this. Either, either number one, you'd go, Isaiah, you're nuts. Like, what are you saying, man? You cray-cray, right? What are you saying? You're saying a human baby's gonna be born and this baby's actually gonna be God? Give me a break, right? I think that'd be one response. 
I think another response would be, I don't care. So what? Which actually was the response of a lot of people back then. They, they couldn't give a rip. They were doing their own thing. They were rebelling. Or the third response, I think you take it, is uh, kind of figuratively, you know? Like you'd be like, well, yeah, a king's coming. A king's coming, right? And he's going to be like a wonderful counselor. He's going to be like a mighty God. He's going to be like the everlasting father. He's going to be like the prince of peace. And his kingdom will be so long, it'll be like it never ends. And his legacy will live on and on and on forever. I think you take it in one of those three ways. But then amazingly, 700 years after Isaiah writes this, it happens exactly as he writes, right? Not figuratively, but literally some guy named Joseph, good guy named Joseph, and some young lady named Mary, in the humblest of circumstances, have a little baby. This little baby, right? And although he was flesh and blood, just like you and me, he knew things that only God could know. He did things that only God could do. And he started this kingdom 2,000 years ago that's been growing and growing and growing ever since, exactly like Isaiah prophesied. And so last week, we just kind of dug into that a little bit. And then we looked at this first name that Isaiah writes, that this coming Messiah, we know now as God the Son, Jesus, this first name, this first title that he would have. And it's Wonderful Counselor, right? And we unpacked that a little bit last week. Because sometimes when, you know, it's written originally in a different language. Originally, that was written in Hebrew. When we translate it to English, sometimes things get lost in translation. And so we unpacked that a little bit. And we said, who is the wonderful counselor? And, and I expanded it. We kind of dug into it. And we said, he's the, he's the miracle-working, extraordinary, wisdom-filled strategist. You know, that's, that's who he is, a little fuller than just wonderful counselor. And in him, as it says in Colossians 2, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like this counselor is wonderful. He's filled with wisdom. He's extraordinary. And so last week I challenged you, it was really simple. Today's actually a really simple message too. Last week was really simple. I just challenged you, like when life's hard, when you're going through hard things, when you're struggling, when you don't know which way to go, when you don't know where to turn, who do you go to for counsel, right? Like we could go a lot of different places for counsel. We probably all have relationships in our lives that we could very easily pick up the phone or walk over to the next room and say, I'm struggling right now, I don't know what to do. And we said, man, what if, what if we just made the decision that before and, and more than any of uh, going to anybody else, we would go to our wonderful counselor. Before anyone else, we'd go to him. And I said, are we making appointments, you know, scheduling meetings with our counselor this week? And we said, he's always listening. He's always available. You know, his schedule's all, he's always got margin in his schedule for us, right? Like, are we actually going to him? And we said, the great ways that we could go to him, the primary ways is, is like this, by talking to him and listening. We don't have to do this with your hands when you do it. You can do it however you want, I guess. But praying to him, right? Talking to him, but also listening to him. And then right here, like how do I know what my wonderful counselor says is right and true and wise and all those things? Well, this is a very clear way that we know his word, right? So I hope that you had a chance this past week to have some good appointments with your wonderful counselor. This weekend, we're gonna look at the second name 
that Isaiah prophesies, that Isaiah gives to God the Son, to this coming child, 700 years before Jesus was born. And I want to just jump right into it. So this is, we'll throw it up on the screen. This is Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. So this is what Isaiah writes, 700 years before Jesus was born. He says, for unto us a child is born, uh, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he, this human baby, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hey, by the way, in your program, we printed out on the back of it this verse, actually the first part, verse six, nine, six. And I really would encourage you, I challenge you to, to take this Christmas season, like this is kind of the fun part about camping out in one verse. Take this Christmas season and memorize it. You know, it, I don't know what, what your guys' you know, interaction with God's word is, what the Bible is. It, memorizing things, especially as we get older, as we get to be adults, it, it's lost many times. Like many of us don't ever memorize scripture. I want to challenge you. There is so much packed in to this verse, to this one verse that could be such an encouragement and reminder to us as we go through life, like as we go through the stuff that we're going through. So I'd encourage you, like at our house, um, you know, Power Kids, we have young kids, so Power Kids has a verse of the month that they always do. And so we have a little chalkboard at our house and we write it on there and, you know, we memorize that. I would encourage you, write it somewhere, put it on your fridge, I don't know, somewhere, and, and try to learn that. If you have a family or others to, to learn it with, I think that's a cool experience too. So anyway, this child that's born, who's going to be great and just and righteous, and who's going to establish this kingdom that's going to last forever, says he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, which we looked at last week, and he's also going to be called Mighty God. Okay, so let's, let's do a quick Hebrew lesson. Who's excited to learn Hebrew this morning? All right! So in Hebrew, it's interesting. So these words are, these are interesting words. So in Hebrew, um, it's the opposite of us. So when we read, we read left to right. I got it. I'm backwards. We read this way, right? We read left to right. In Hebrew, you actually read the opposite. You read right to left, okay? And so this word, these, uh, this title is actually flip-flopped in the original language. So the, the sentence actually reads like this. Literally, word for word in Hebrew, it reads like this. He'll be, call, he'll be called name, wonderful counselor, God mighty. So it flip-flops them. And so, uh, God mighty, right? Let's, let's look at the first word. Let's just start in the order that it, that it shows up in the Hebrew. The first word that we translate as God. So that word in the Hebrew is El. And El is an interesting word. El is the singular of Elohim. You ever heard of Elohim? And so it's, it's actually the very first name that's given to God in the Bible. If you open your Bible to page one, I don't have to be page one, but the very first verse in the Bible, you know what it says? In the beginning, God... Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so that, that reference to God, the very first word used to, to uh, describe God, to say God's name is in the plural, which is interesting. Uh, we were having a conversation about this last night. What does that mean? Does that mean God is plural? That like now we can look back and we can go, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Or is it, uh, is it the royal we, Google that sometimes, the majestic plural that God is referring to. Anyway, 
El is the singular of Elohim. And so Isaiah uses El many times in his book. And every time Isaiah uses El, he's always referring to God. In fact, two chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, he gives this uh, this other very famous prophecy of the coming Messiah. It's in Isaiah uh, 7, 14. And this is what it says. Many of you have heard this before. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's another prophecy. It's so cool. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You say it fast, Emmanuel, right? Do you know what Emmanuel means? El means God. Emmanuel means with us, right? And so this is just a couple of chapters before, which again is like one of those things that I look at and I read and I go, that is a crazy prophecy, a virgin will be with child and he'll have a ba- she'll have a baby and the baby will be called God with us. 700 years before Jesus was born. It's amazing to me. It blows my mind. Anyway, throughout the Old Testament, Testament, you see El in lots of different places. Sometimes it's smushed together with other words. So you have a word like Bethel. You ever heard of Bethel? Bethel is a place. It was a location back then. Today, like there's a lot of churches named Bethel. Uh, there's a band named Bethel. We sing some of their songs. Bethel is two words, Beth-El, smushed together. El means God. Bethel means house of. So it means house of God. That's why a lot of churches are called Bethel Church, right? There's other words, El Shaddai means God Almighty, Lord Almighty, right? Uh, Elohai means my God. Elimet, God of truth. So all throughout the Old Testament, you see this word El. It's always referring to God, almost always referring to God. Every time Isaiah uses it, always referring to God. So very clearly, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is calling Isaiah, God through Isaiah, is calling this baby, this coming baby, God, right? So God what? Well, God mighty. The Hebrew word that we translate as mighty is gabor, gabor. And so this word gabor means mighty, but it also means strong. It means powerful. It means champion. It means giant. I, love, I like that translation a lot. It's like giant God, right? It means hero, hero God. And so Jeremiah, another prophet back then, he's about 100 years after Isaiah, he writes about El Gabor as well, this hero God, this mighty God as well. And I want to read it to you because I think it just describes him, like it helps us grasp how big and mighty and huge God is. This is what uh, Jeremiah writes. Ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents sin into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, that's El Gabor, great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Guys, okay, so this, this child that was coming from Isaiah's perspective, uh, who has come from our perspective 2,000 years ago, is mighty, he's strong, He's powerful, he's giant, he's the champion, he's our hero God. I like the translation, mighty hero God. Like who is, who is this coming Messiah, this baby that was born 2,000 years ago? He's our mighty hero God. Now think about what that means. Think about that. He's our mighty hero God. Nothing, he made the heavens and the earth, everything, Nothing is too difficult for him. 
nothing. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of us have hard things going on in our lives, right? He's the God that nothing is too difficult for. You ever have anything happen in your life where you're like, man, I don't know what to do. I, like, I need a hero to step in. I need a hero to save me, to solve this problem. I love, I love reading about heroes, you know? Like, it's probably why I like, I'm a, I'm a nerd with like Marvel movies, you know, superhero movies. Like, I, I love the movies where there's like this superhero that saves people. I was reading this past week on CNN, they have a, uh, at least online, they have a series of heroes, like these CNN heroes. So these people that they recognize and celebrate that have done just amazing things. And so I was reading about a guy this past week named George Boyle, George Boyle. And so George grew up in Cameroon. And in 1981, his dad, it's an amazing story, he's an amazing guy. His dad was in a car accident and he broke his arm which you're like, okay, that happens. Like that's, if you're in a car accident, it's probably a decent injury, right? It's not, could have been a lot worse. But that arm break gets infected and then the infection goes to his brain and he gets this hematoma that he struggles with and has all of these complications for, for the rest of his life. And so Boyle, George Boyle, the son, is taking his dad to these doctors, to these hospitals, to these clinics, all the time for the next 21 years of his life until he passes away. And these clinics are just like, the lines are huge. There's patients everywhere because there's not enough doctors in Cameroon. Everybody's sick, but there's nobody to actually help take care of them. And so literally in the article, it says, uh, Buele said, there's people that die, like they're literally dying in line waiting to see a doctor, right? And so he sees this for 21 years. He sees these people suffering and hurting, right? And eventually his dad dies and he goes, I got to do something about this. Cameroon needed a hero, right? And so George Boyle is determined to do something about it. And so he studies, studies, studies. He trains, 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 and he becomes a doctor himself. In fact, not just a doctor, but a surgeon, a vascular surgeon. And so what he does is, and this is amazing, <clears throat> so selfless, he works in a hospital, that's like his daytime job, and then he moonlights at another clinic so that he can make enough money to fund this nonprofit that he started that go into these remote rural areas in Cameroon to provide free medical care to people that are in desperate need, that can't even make it to these clinics or would be waiting in line forever. And so he talks about how every Friday, <clears throat> he and like 30 people tie up all of these medical supplies to a few of these different vans, like on the roof of the vans, you know, told about how sometimes they're driving, you know, the roads aren't great there, the infrastructure's not great. And so they get like stuck in mud and ditches, you know, so you got these doctors getting out, pushing these vans around. But he said 30 people would pile into these vans and they would drive all over the countryside, helping people that could never pay them. They could never pay them for anything. And he works like a dog. He said, this guy never sleeps. He works like a dog so that he could do this. And so their little team, this nonprofit, has helped, at the time the article was written, 32,000 people. 32,000 people. This is what he writes. Listen to this. This is his own words, I guess. We're receiving 500 people in each trip, Buele said. They're coming from 60 kilometers. That's 37 miles around the village. And they're coming on foot. Sick people walking 37 miles coming on foot. 
Each of these weekend clinics provides a variety of medical care. Many people are treated from malaria, tuberculosis, malnutrition, diabetes, parasites, and sexually transmitted diseases. Others might receive crutches, a pair of donated eyeglasses, or free birth certificates, documentation that's required for school but that many impoverished families simply can't afford. In the evenings, the team will do simple surgeries and with local anesthesia. Operations are usually done in a schoolhouse, town hall, or home. After the procedure, patients get up and they walk to the recovery area for the next person. I've never felt like such a wimp is when I read that, right? Literally, they have surgery, and when they're done, they're like, next. They get up, and they walk over to a little recovery area. It's crazy. It's amazing. Like this guy sacrifices so much to help people, right, to save people. I read that, and it's like, it's inspiring to me. Now, here's a question for you. What do those 32,000 people do if George Buele and his team don't sacrifice so much to go help? What do they do? What happens to them? They suffer. Every one of them. They all are ill in some way, one way or another. So they're all going to suffer, and some of them will die, will literally die. And Dr. Buele chooses to save them. That's what a hero does, right? A hero goes in and saves people. Sometimes a situation demands a hero, and if a hero doesn't step up, people will suffer and die. Now, think about our hero God again. Think about our mighty hero God, the one who chose to leave the confines of heaven to enter into our world to become this little baby that Isaiah got a glimpse of 700 years earlier. Think about who he is, our mighty hero God. Like, think about the things that he does, right? We just read a little bit from Jeremiah. Colossians, the book of Colossians, gives us this very unique snapshot, this very unique glimpse into who God the Son is, who Jesus is, who this coming Messiah, Savior, that Isaiah saw 700 years before he came. I want to read you a couple things from Colossians 1. This is so cool. Just get this in your mind. This is, this is our mighty hero God, the Son. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. That is a mighty God, right? He created everything. I was talking to somebody last night, and, and actually before the sermon, we were talking, and ironically, she, she brought this up, and she was thinking about how God, how Jesus, God the Son, spoke, and things came into existence. Like, that God is a powerful, mighty hero God. No ordinary child born 2,000 years ago. And yet, those things that we just read about in Colossians 1, like he, he created everything, all that. Those things, it shows that he's mighty and powerful and wonderful, but that's not what makes him a hero. Those things are not what makes him a hero. That's not the definition of a hero. What's a hero? 
A hero is somebody who saves, right? Guys, listen, that is exactly why our mighty hero God came to save us, to save you and to save me. Listen, this is in Colossians also. This is Colossians 2. This is our situation. Every single one of us either were in or are in. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, which is kind of a fancy way of saying our unholiness, right? Our unrighteousness. When we were dead in our sins and our unholiness, God made you alive with Christ, with our mighty hero God. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. How about this? This is actually a little earlier, Colossians 1, second part of Colossians 1. Gives us a little fuller understanding of our predicament. Once you were alienated from God, and we're enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because of our sin. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body, our mighty hero God, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is, this is our God. This is our mighty hero God. This is our El Gabor. He, he found us at our point of greatest need, right? Greatest need that we could possibly have. And he rescued us. But, he, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is so important. We have to allow him to rescue us, right? Like it's not automatically extended to everyone, whether we like it or not, given to everyone. I'll say it that way. It's not automatically given to everyone, whether we want it or not. It's extended to us, but we have to allow us, allow him to save us. I I wanna share with you a metaphor that it helps me understand. I had a couple people say this last night. It helps all of this make sense. And it's like our sinfulness in God's eyes, our sinfulness puts us on a cliff, like we're hanging off a cliff. So imagine hanging halfway down a gigantic cliff and we're hanging by our hands and below us is a thousand foot drop to our certain death, certain death. Above us is a thousand foot incline, vertical slope, right? Straight up and we're hanging there and we're trying to get up off of this cliff and we're clawing our way up and maybe sometimes we can get to about right here and we're like, man, there's a little bit of progress. But then you look up and you see a thousand feet straight up. And we go, what are we gonna do? Like this, the situation is hopeless in and of ourselves, right? But the gospel tells us that our mighty hero God, this baby that was born 2000 years ago, rescues us by the cross. It's like he reaches down with the longest arm that we could ever imagine. He reaches down to us. And he says to us, grab my hand, grab my hand. And see, here's the thing. We got a choice in that. He reaches out his hand as he says, grab my hand. We got a choice. We could do one of two things. Either we could go, I'm good. I'm going to keep trying on my own. I'm, I moved an inch. I'm making a little bit of progress, right? We could go, no, I'm fine. 
Or we could go, yes, I will grab your hand. And here's the thing, to grab his hand to save us, we have to let go of the cliff that we're holding on to, the little ledge that we're holding on to, right? In order to allow him to save us, we need to let go of us trying to save ourselves. Guys, that is huge. If we don't do that, we are not a Christian. We are not saved. We are not rescued. He extends it to all of us, but we gotta let go and we gotta grab onto his hand. We have to make the mighty hero God our mighty hero God. And I wanna challenge you, I said this last week too, and Christmas is just, it's a time when maybe we're thinking a little bit more about Jesus and spiritual things. I wanna challenge you, if you're struggling with that or you've not made that decision in your life and you have questions, come talk to me. Come talk to us. Mark it on your connection card that John was talking about earlier. Say you wanna talk to somebody about Jesus, whatever. We'll call you. I promise you we'll follow up with that and we'll help any way that we possibly can. So that's what our hero God does for us. Now, we may be tempted to think that our mighty hero God, all he does is save us from like our final end, you know, like the one day. Like, you know, yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's rescuing me. I'm not going to really be able to receive that until one day when I'm dead. We almost look at it like uh, when I was a kid, my, parent, my grandparents gave us for birthdays, they gave us savings bonds. Anybody's grandparents ever give them savings? If you're a young kid, it's like the worst gift you could get, right? You know, you get this savings bond, $25, $50 savings. As a kid, six-year-old kid, you open this up and you're like, thanks. This will come in handy in like 12 years when I can cash it. It'd be nice if I could have like a G.I. Joe or a Rubik's Cube now, but you know, thank you. And sometimes we can look at what Jesus has done, what our, what our mighty hero God has done for us and rescuing us. Like he's like our billion dollar savings bond. And one day we're gonna hit the jackpot. We're gonna be able to, to cash it in and we're gonna have paradise, right? We're gonna have all the treasures of heaven. But what about right now? Like that's way off in the distant future. Listen, our hero God, our mighty hero God, doesn't just rescue us one day. Our mighty hero God also rescues us today. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this past week that something that he said, I asked him permission, by the way, if I could share this. Something that he said really I think demonstrated, it showed me how our mighty hero God doesn't just rescue us one day, but he rescues us today. So he, he, uh, he's a good friend of mine, We've been friends for a while, and I love him, and I love his family, just amazing people. And his wife is sick, and it's serious. She's very sick. And they have two young kids, which makes it especially hard, you know, just complicated, answering questions and just wrestling with sickness, with severe sickness in the midst of having young ones. And so, you know, he's telling me about his ups and downs, you know, that they have, and just honest as human beings, you know, the highs and lows that they have, the times of encouragement and the times of deep discouragement. And I was like, you know, tell me how you're really doing, you know, like spiritually, tell me how you're doing. And he shared this thing with me that I thought was so encouraging and, and, and this is what he said. Let me, let me give you a little bit of background. So in ancient Israel, 
after Israel left, they were held as slaves. You can read about this in Exodus. They were held as slaves in Egypt and God did miraculous things and they, get, they left Egypt, right? And so they're in the desert. They're wandering around in the desert. They're there for 40 years. Well, eventually they get in there and they're like, we don't have enough food to sustain us. God, and eventually they cry out to God, God, we need you to provide for our needs, right? We need you to provide food for us. And so they ask God for help. And God actually does something miraculous for them. He makes this thin, white, flaky, bread-like substance. We got an actual picture of it, by the way. This was taken with the first iPhone back then. But yeah, no, anyway. There's another one with a selfie, but we thought that that wasn't appropriate. No. So anyway, God provides this, this miraculous, thin, white, flaky substance that they had never seen before just appear on the ground to them every morning. And so they walk out one day, and they see it, and they're like, what is it? And, you know, somebody else walks out, and they're like, I don't know. What do you think it is? I don't know. What should we call it? Well, let's just, you know, so they call it manna, right? Do you know what manna means, literally, in Hebrew? It means what is it? Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, what is it? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. Let's just call it, what is it? Let's call it manna, right? And so God provides this manna for them. And they were told to only take as much manna, to go out and collect it, and only take as much as they needed for that day, right? With the exception of the day before the Sabbath, they could take, the day before the Sabbath, they could take double the, the manna so that they would be able to rest for a day and not have to go out and collect it. With the exception of that, God said, only take a day's worth because here's what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna provide manna the next morning for you. And then the next morning, I'm gonna provide manna for you. And you're always gonna have enough manna because I'm gonna miraculously provide it. Manna was God's miraculous daily provision for their needs. That's what it was, right? And so I was talking to my friend and he says, this is exactly what it feels like God is doing for us. God's, God's providing manna for us. He's, he's providing daily for our needs, many times miraculously for their needs. The mighty hero God of the universe is giving them He's like, he's given us what we need to get through the day. And, and here's the thing. Many times he said, it's just enough. Like we're hurting and we're struggling. And we're like, God, I need you. Like I, I, I just need you today. And he provides just enough for them to get through to the next day. So that he's like, I got to trust that the next day, God's going to give me enough to get through that day as well. And I hear him explain this to me, and I get like goosebumps. I'm like, man, thank you for sharing. That's so encouraging to me because that is exactly true. And guys, this is exactly what our God does for us when we allow Jesus, El Gabor, to rescue us, to save us. He's not just our billion-dollar savings bond that one day we're going to be able to cash in and receive all the treasures of heaven. And don't take that metaphor too far. Like we can take that out of context and that could get really weird quickly, okay? But he's not just our billion dollar savings bond we're gonna get one day. He's also our manna for today, for right now. Our mighty hero God, think about this in your life, please. Our mighty hero God wants us to come to him, to depend on him, to come to him daily to fill the needs that we have. Even sometimes he does it in miraculous ways. And I think about that manna, like there's so much. I encourage you to just 
chew on that this week. I think about that manna, and I think it, it was God providing for them miraculously in a way they did not expect, right? I mean, they didn't even know what it was, right? Manna means what is it? They're like, like, this was not the way that they expected God would provide when they said, please give us food to eat, right? And I think sometimes that's how God works with us, right? Like sometimes that's how our mighty hero God provides for our needs. We pray for something and we go, God, I need this. Please help me. Here's my situation. And he provides in a way that we go, well, that's not exactly what I was asking for. We may go, what is it, right? But that's when we trust, just like they had to trust. However many thousands of years ago, they had to trust that God's perspective and God's provision, the mighty hero God, was exactly what they needed. And, and I think he only gave them enough manna for one day, you know, like one, one day's worth. He could have given them a week's worth if he wanted to, but he gave them one day's worth. It actually says that some people um, went out, yeah, God said only take enough for a day, and they went out and they hoarded some and they packed it away thinking nobody would know because they're human beings. We all do that. God says do this, and we're like, oh yeah, well, let's try this, right? So that's what they do, and it's rotten and disgusting the next day. And you think, why did God only give them enough for one day? Why do you think that is? So they keep coming back to him, right? So that so they, they would be reminded every single day that he's our provider, that he's our mighty hero God who can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. So this morning, I'm gonna invite the band to come up behind me here. This morning, I guess I just wanna... I don't know, I want to ask you a question, throw up the question. Do you need a hero? It's kind of a rhetorical question that I know the answer to. It's yes, because I need a hero like you do. Some of us need a hero, I don't know where you're at this morning. Some of us need a hero to rescue us off of that cliff because we've never let go and grabbed hold of him. Every single one of us, our sin puts us right there hanging off that cliff. Some of us need a hero to rescue us from the cliff. And again, I want to say, if you've got questions, man, we'd love to help you. Others of us need a hero to provide right now. We've been rescued off the cliff, but we need a hero to provide right now for the hard things going on in my life. My situation demands a hero. And I want to challenge you this morning to go to your hero, to ask God for help, like the ancient Israelites did thousands of years ago. They asked God for help, and God came through. The hero God, who's nothing is too difficult for, provided for them in a wonderful, miraculous way. And he will do that for you and for me this morning if we go to him and if we ask him. So that's my challenge to you this week. Think about that, what that means in your life, the needs that you have, the struggles that you have, the hard things that you have going on.